Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, good morning, gang, and welcome to New Southern Garden. Of course, I'm your gardening pal, Nathan Wilson, and I'm, as always, delighted that you've decided to join us to talk all things gardening, growing plants, flowers, etc., etc. Of course, we've been having a good year here in 2023. I hope that your landscape is growing well and that things are producing, re- hopefully finally recovering from... Uh, that terrible cold weather we had that froze so many things nearly to the ground, definitely down to the bone, <laughs> the stem. I will say that uh, from my observations and people's landscapes at the nursery, that gardenias are still kind of slow to put out. I think I shared with you uh, over the winter when things were kind of rough that my gardenias completely defoliated in my garden. And I've been waiting for them to put out new leaves. So late winter, early spring, I trimmed them back so they get bushy and uh, fertilized them in the spring. And they are finally leafing out. It's taken them a long time. I think they just really needed the extra heat to really get going. But I do hope that your landscape is looking beautiful and growing because that's what this business is all about. Uh, so I will say today we've got an interesting topic of discussion. Um, the inspiration for today's program comes from our station manager here, our general manager, Mr. Dean Dyer, and I appreciate him forwarding me this information because it, I found it quite interesting and intriguing. It's a little bit of uh, market research, maybe, about Georgia's favorite flowers. <laughs> The title of the article was Georgia's Favorite, Georgia's Five Favorite Flowers Revealed. And uh, they talk about uh, how to grow them. Of course, that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, but it was very interesting to see from this research how certain plants measured up in the mines and in the gardens, in the hearts, since they're our favorites, of Georgians. Um, now, in, on top of Georgia, within the article, there's actually a, a, a great list of the five most popular flowers in each U.S. state and Washington, D.C., and it's really some interesting information. So I think today we'll uh, work through the five favorite flowers that Georgia is apparently presenting that we <laughs> are looking for, and I'll give you some tips and um uh, some information on how to grow them and grow them well in your landscape. So uh, this research comes from, let's see, it's written by uh, Michael Speed. If you want to uh, look this up online um, at journoresearch.org. And basically, it sounds like the way they discovered the five favorite flowers of Georgians is by uh, internet searches. How many searches per year do certain flowers or plants receive from Georgia? 
And I will say that some of these don't surprise me. No. But the first one is enlightening. Because this first plant uh, that apparently is Georgia's number one search for plant has been quite trendy. We see it on Instagram and the social medias and people are looking for it. Uh, definitely, I would agree though, even though this is surprising, I would agree because we get a lot of inquiries at the nursery uh, about this plant and people want to grow it so bad, they want to have it in their landscape. And that plant, the number one top favorite flower of Georgians is the lavender plant. Apparently, it receives about 2,400 searches per year. Now, that is a little less than double the number two spot, which is sunflowers. And sunflower receives 1,780 searches per year from Georgia residents. Number three, this one probably should not surprise you at all, the number three favorite plant of Georgians, the hydrangea. The hydrangea, of course, that classic southern plant, it comes in with 1,400 searches per year. And number four, this doesn't surprise me, I've even called this America's uh, favorite plant, but it sounds like that's changing, is the rose. Roses, they clock in with 1,300 searches per year, nearly as many searches uh, for hydrangea. And number five is peony. And you know that I do like peonies. I do encourage uh, our listeners to, um, to grow peonies. And we've done several shows. I try to do a show each year to remind you on what a peony likes, uh, how to grow it, and what to do throughout the year, what to expect from your peony here in the South. But it comes in uh, with 1,230 searches per year. So again, the top five flowers top five favorite flowers of Georgians based on searches every year is number one, lavender, number two, sunflower, number three, hydrangea, number four, rose, and number five, peony. So um, now that you know what your neighbors are interested in here in the South, uh, I'll, we'll, talk a f- a, 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 we'll talk about a few notes on each one of these to remind you that uh, even though we're searching for these plants here in Georgia, our fellow Georgians are looking for these plants for their landscapes. Uh, some of them do come with struggles here in the South. And part of the reason um, I'm so uh, su- almost surprised by lavender being number one is that uh, even though we're looking for it, people are searching for it, it does come with some struggles. Now, before we talk some details about lavender, I want to remind you that we did do just last year an entire show uh, back in, I think it was October, but it was our um, show number 186, and you can find that episode where I do talk in great details about lavender and how to grow it in the South, what to look for, uh, what kind of soil you need, how much moisture, uh, fertility, and deadheading, trimming, pruning it, all of the details of lavender. You can find that um, show number 186 online at NewSouthernGarden.com, or of course, you can find it on your podcasting apps, which is quite convenient because you can just uh, play it right off of your phone. But regardless, check out that show. But when it comes to lavender, when it comes to lavender and growing it here in Georgia, we have to admit, we have to accept that lavender is a Mediterranean plant. 
which means that the climate that we're growing in is a bit different than the climate that it maybe prefers, that it came from originally. So lavender is usually treated as an herb, maybe some culinary uses, but definitely oils are extracted and used in um, uh, medical applications or home remedies, things like that. Uh, And of course, it just smells great. So people love to put lavender around their home. Uh, But growing up in the Mediterranean, the lavender plant does like hot temperatures, which we have no problem giving, do we? (laughs) Has been quite hot. Uh, In a normal year, though, we have hot weather and quite moist or humid, humidity. Now, I will say that the... uh, clouds have not been too giving this uh, these past few weeks and it doesn't sound like they'll be giving in the next few weeks either so lavender being mediterranean likes it hot and likes it dry so one of the biggest struggles we have here in the southeast with our uh, really like subtropical climate uh, temperate climate is that we can give it the heat but we usually have a bit of humidity involved. Our clay soils can hold on to a lot of moisture. Lavender would rather have free draining and nearly drier soils. It's used to that. I told you on our lavender episode, if if you've been listening to this program for at least uh, six months, that uh, lavender doesn't love great soil. When you're growing lavender in the landscape in the southeast, you nearly have to abuse it, and she will be happy. (laughs) So no extra water. The rainfall we get will be enough for it or maybe a little too much. So we don't necessarily have to give lavender established. Let me throw that in here. Established lavender plants. Lavender plants with an established root system uh, don't need much supplemental water in the south. But uh, if you're planting lavender, then as it's growing and developing and becoming uh, the strong lavender plant it wants to be, it may need your attention, particularly if you're planting the lavender in spring or through summer. So with that in mind, it sort of surprises me that lavender is the number one searched for Uh, plant because it doesn't love it doesn't love our climate however it doesn't surprise me that it's the number one search for plant because uh, again it's quite trendy it's quite trendy and if you don't know already maybe you have visited some of the lavender farms around the state there are some up here in northeast georgia uh, and they're doing a good job of producing Lavender plants, uh, of course, people understand that certain farms, people come out. You can pick your own, harvest your own, which is a great experience, be fun for the family. But also, uh, they're doing a good job of extracting the oils, that um, the essential oils that uh, can be marketed and sold in that fashion. And so, lavender is becoming a fairly uh, burgeoning crop for the state as far as horticulture is concerned will lavender production in georgia be as strong as corn and soybeans and cotton and all the rest even blueberries probably not because it does come with struggles but the great thing about growing and gardening in the 21st century is that there are new lavender plants which can handle more of the humidity that we deal with 
If you are going out to look for lavender today, the first place to stop is Spanish lavender. Be sure you're growing Spanish lavender. You will have greater success with Spanish lavender than you will English lavender. Spanish lavender has a different bloom style, but it still has the same fragrance, the same uh, thin, gray, ashy leaves uh, that we all love. And of course, uh, the oils are there. But it does have a different flower than the English uh, lavenders. So with, with that in mind, look for Spanish. Uh, look for maybe one called French lavender, which is usually a hybrid. And since uh, the past decade, I guess, we have seen more and more varieties being bred and produced that can handle course the hot loves that but uh, we're finding lavender plants that can handle the humidity and I, I do believe that I gave you a good list of lavenders to grow on uh, episode 186 so you may want to check back for some details there but lavender is apparently Georgia's favorite flower again it has received 2400 collective yearly searches um, and there are plenty of species only a handful of the species of lavender are actually available or used used in the garden, um, but I'll tell you that I have found some strange lavender that I'm trying to test out and grow, and we'll see how that turns out. But lavender, again, uh, is, is a strange plant that we try to grow and we love. It does do well in a container, in a pot. If you don't want to plant it in heavy clay soil, which it's not going to love, then be sure to use it in a pot or a patio container. That would be a wonderful thing. And of course, because you be, you would be planting the lavender near tables, chairs, a grill, whatever, uh, the fragrance, you can rub the oils, you can cut some fresh sprigs, place them on a vase, and have a nice time on your patio. Again, the lavender, even though it doesn't love clay soil, it doesn't mind rocky soil. Uh, if you have a very rocky, dry soil, lavender might be a good choice. Uh, if you're growing it in the ground, be sure to not mulch it too heavily. Some people say don't mulch it at all. It's hard for me not to mulch, <laughs> even lavender, because if we have clay soils and that are not mulched, we can have problems with erosion, and I never want to cause a problem with erosion. So, Georgia's number one favorite plant turns out to be lavender. I found that both interesting, surprising, but also not surprising, because it is a cool plant. We just have to know how to abuse it. <laughs> not too much fertility, dry soils, rocky soils. And she will grow happily. When we get back, we'll talk about the rest of Georgia's favorite plants. Hang on tight. Hey gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the new Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at NewSouthernGarden.com where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our Contact Us page. It's never fun gardening alone, so get social with the New Southern Garden family and let's grow well.
Well, gang, this morning on New Southern Garden, we are talking about Georgia's five favorite flowers, five favorite plants. And this comes from some research that has uh, included and been looking at, and particularly uh, internet searches around the nation. Uh, Of course, we're looking at Georgia in particular, but there is information about every state in our beloved United States on who's, which state loves which flower the best. Now, we've already been talking about the number one flower. Maybe I should have done this in the descending order, starting with five. But we started, we started with the number one flower, which was lavender here in the state. Now, the interesting thing, Alabama, number one flower, lavender. Let's see, neighboring states. Uh, Florida's favorite search for flower is sunflower, apparently. Um, who else do we have? Let's look at Tennessee, our neighbor to the north, lavender. Tennessee's favorite flower, lavender. Uh, let's see who else. Maybe one of the Carolinas. How about that? Let's look at South Carolina. And that's lavender as well. And North Carolina, lavender. As a matter of fact, most every state in our nation the top search for plant is lavender. Uh, and then the second contender would be uh, sunflower. And that leads us to Georgia's second favorite flower, which apparently is sunflower, remember? After uh, 1,780 searches per year, sunflower is America, uh, Georgia's second favorite flower. So, of course, this is a very well-known species. People generally know what a sunflower is. Of course, they fall in a botanical group, uh, a genus that is called Helianthus. And particularly, the sunflowers that we would uh, see as a classic sunflower, the very tall plants, some of, of course, can be 14, 16 feet tall. 12, 10 feet is, is, is quite an average height for the tallest. Uh, but there are some nice miniatures. Those classic flower heads, sunflower heads, comes from an annual flower that, of course, we plant as a seed. It grows and it produces in the late summer, early fall. And then the plant is done because when frost gets here, uh, the plant disappears. It goes away. It is not frost hardy. It will die back. However, you may or may not know that in, in the sunflower group, true helianthus, there are a number of perennial helianthus. So perennial sunflowers. Now, generally, these perennial sunflowers do not have nearly the large flower heads that you would find, and many of them are branching as well. Uh, most of the annual sunflowers send up one shoot and one flower on top of the shoot. However, there are plenty of varieties in the annual sunflower group that will send up multiple branches, which is great for the home garden, I think, because that gives you just more flower power. Now, with the perennial sunflowers, they generally are all branched. They make these nice thick clumps. Uh, some of our native helianthus, native hardy sunflowers, are going to be sort of spreaders, and they group and they clump. Uh, there is a sunflower called swamp sunflower, which we used to grow at the nursery. It wasn't quite as popular, of course, as the annual sunflowers, but it was a great 
clumper, it would grow on the edge of a lake or stream, did not mind wet feet, and it would bloom very late in the year, but it would just continuously go, probably from midsummer all the way to frost. With deadheading on many of the perennial sunflowers, you will have flower after flower, but less so with the annual sunflower. But this is the one, of course, this is the sunflower, that annual sunflower that most people know and love. And it's surely the one uh, that these internet searches are talking about. Uh, Of course, the main color of sunflower, the petals are bright yellow with very large center discs. the center is usually a darker shade. Uh, sometimes I've seen sort of a lighter, maybe green uh, center, which is really nice. But the center disc is actually uh, are actually flowers themselves. They're not as big and showy as the flowers around the edges. We call those ray flowers with the big yellow petals. Uh, the tiny little flowers that make up that center disc are highly attractive to pollinators. And that is one of the reasons why we might grow sunflowers in our Georgia or southern gardens, is to attract those wonderful pollinators. Now, after these sunflowers, these tiny disc flowers have been pollinated by your bees and hummingbirds and flies and whoever else, uh, butterflies, what will happen is the seed starts to form. And then in the late part of summer, early part of fall, you have a great food source for birds. Uh, As a matter of fact, we recently this year uh, put in several bird feeders around our garden and overnight we started seeing all kinds of birds. And in the bird seed mix, of course, is black oil, sunflower seeds, and maybe some other varieties, sunflower seeds. And I'll say that it seems like uh, I've always heard that sunflower seeds, particularly black oil, uh, is highly attractive to uh, pollinator uh, birds. And it was showing true. It looked like the birds were picking out. (laughs) They were picking out the sunflowers and leaving behind the millet and the sorghum. Uh, What else was in there? Even peanuts. uh, Some of those probably just attracted the squirrels. There were even raisins or cranberries, something, some dried fruit in here. And yet they were going for the sunflowers every time. So if you want to grow your own bird food, then sunflower is definitely the way to go. Now, of course, sunflowers love full sun. I mean, it comes with their name, doesn't it? Sunflower. But maybe it's because the flower looks like a sun with those yellow uh, petals around the edges. But they can do fairly well in partial shade. So I would say as long as you can give sunflowers at least five hours of sun, maybe more, uh, definitely more, then you will have a great looking plant and you will also have plenty of flowers. Now, with that being said, size can be a problem. We've already mentioned, and you probably know if you're familiar with sunflowers, they can get quite tall. Some varieties, like I said, reaching from 10 to 16 feet. However, there are some great dwarf varieties. One of my favorites is teddy bear. It has this real uh, shaggy look. Uh, there are, it's like a, uh, I guess you could call it a double because it is full of elongated, uh, thin, hair-like almost petals. You can barely see the center of it because it's chock full of these very strap-like uh, elongated yellow uh, petals. And, and there are some other varieties that get, uh, so that one, see, uh, the teddy bear is, is about two feet tall, 
That's quite short for a sunflower. That could be planted right up front in your uh, flower beds uh, or set back a ways and have some creepy crawly things in front of it. Uh, and then, of course, there are some that range between three, four, five, six feet tall, which is not nearly as maybe domineering in the landscape as a 10 to uh, 15 foot tall sunflower. So be on the lookout for these smaller varieties that you can use almost anywhere. Well, I know we're coming up on a break, but I want to go ahead and talk a bit about the third favorite flower that this research is coming across with, and that is hydrangea. Hydrangea got about 1,400 searches per year in our state, uh, which makes it quite popular, I would say. Uh, it was only uh, about a 1,000 searches less than lavender itself. I suspect that if this research continues year after year, Hydrangea will probably always be on a list of Georgia's favorite plants, whereas lavender is probably just a trendy thing. I doubt that it will be on the list for another 10 years, but if we look back and look forward, hydrangea was probably there and will probably be there as one of Georgia's favorite plants and for good reason. Because, of course, hydrangeas, uh, like our climate, it's very similar to the climate they come from. Uh, if you think of the blue and pink hydrangeas, which, of course, are the uh, big leaf hydrangea or hydrangea macrophylla, these flowers, uh, plants, come from uh, parts of Japan where they are quite a coastal plant. Uh, so you may notice they have a thick waxy leaf which helps with salt spray. So this plant of course can grow along Georgia's coast, uh, any part of the southeastern coast, and also up into the mountain regions where we are. Uh, it is hardy in our zone. However, you might remember that we had a bit of an issue over winter this year where we had some dieback, particularly stems dying back. But in almost every case of that situation, we have seen the plants resurging from the base with brand new leaves, brand new stems. So it has no trouble growing here. Uh, they do like a lot of moisture. Comes in the name Hydra. But when we get back from this break, we'll talk more about Georgia's third favorite flower, the hydrangea. Greenness unfolding. Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. So gang, today on New Southern Garden, we are talking about uh, the top five favorite flowers of Georgia. Uh, of course, this information comes from a research outlet that has been tracking uh, the, the, the number of yearly searches per plant per state. And we're focusing on Georgia, of course, that's where uh, <laughs> this show is located in. But it's interesting that... Uh, most of our surrounding states, and actually most states in the country, are looking at two plants in particular more often than others. Lavender tracks as the first most searched for flower nearly across the U.S. Alaska is looking at peony. Uh, let's see, who else is looking at something strange? 
uh, Iris in Wyoming, of all things. So those are the only two outliers. But then the second most searched for flower in our state and generally across the United States is sunflower. And it's interesting because for most states, for most states, if they're not looking for lavender first, they're looking for sunflower first and reverse. For instance, our uh, neighbors down in Florida, their number one search for flower is sunflower. Their number two is lavender. And ours and most of the United States is the inverse. Lavender first, sunflower next. So it does seem like these two plants in particular are attracting a lot of attention uh, around our country. And for good reason. They are both beautiful plants. They are quite distinctive. They are quite different in how they grow. Lavender, of course, likes infertile soil or not too fertile, not too rich of a soil, dry soil. Whereas sunflower would like well-drained soil with some moisture and also a good bit of fertility. So if you're looking to grow sunflower, be sure to feed it well, water it often. But if you're growing lavender, abuse it. (laughs) Don't water it too much and don't give it too much fertilizer. But we left off at the last, uh, before the break, with Georgia's number three favorite flower, which is hydrangea. And I don't think you would be surprised at that. I'm not too surprised. And like I said, I'm pretty confident that if this research continues, we'll probably see hydrangea be in the top five, at least, uh, maybe indefinitely. Because hydrangeas are sort of become quintessential with the South. Uh, We can't necessarily grow hydrangeas too far north or certain hydrangeas too far north. Uh, Of course, we have done uh, programs on hydrangeas before, and you can find more details about hydrangeas, the different types of them, uh, how to prune the different types, how to uh, treat each different type uh, in the manner that it requires uh, at NewSouthernGarden.com or, of course, on the podcasting apps uh, and uh, Facebook, Instagram. So look online for those details. But in general, there are four main groups. Two of the... um, Two of the four are native hydrangeas, which includes the smooth hydrangea. You may know it as Annabelle. That's one of the most popular varieties of smooth hydrangea. They have white dome-like, mop-head-like flowers. And then, of course, number number two uh, that is, is native here is the oak leaf hydrangea with those very big, coarse-textured leaves. Uh, they have long plumes, spires, uh, panicles, uh, cone-shaped flowers that are quite attractive. And then, of course, they've got great fall color, nearly a burgundy blood red. Very nice. But then two hydran- the other two hydrangeas that we use a lot here in the South that are not native uh, are, of course, the big leaf hydrangea, which we talked about before the break with those big mop head or lace cap flowers that usually change between pink and blue depending on the pH of the soil. Then the fourth group of the landscape hydrangeas, if you will, is the panicled hydrangeas. One of my favorite groups of hydrangeas. They are the no-brainer hydrangea. It doesn't matter when you prune them, they will bloom for you. It doesn't, you don't have to worry about pruning them out of season, if you will, and cutting off the heads. Uh, Then, of course, they can grow in full shade or they can grow in full sun. And so that is a no-brainer hydrangea uh, if you are looking for something easy and kind of carefree. Uh, So those are the big four. But of course, uh, you know, from the information, it doesn't say if one of these hydrangeas are being searched more than others. Um, 
But generally, we'll just say the whole group. Most hydrangeas can handle full sun, surprisingly. Now, I like to put the blue and pink ones, the big uh, big leaf hydrangeas in a little bit of shade, particularly afternoon shade. We'd rather that plant have morning sun, afternoon shade, if anything, rather than the reverse. However, with modern breeding, uh, many hydrangeas, most I would say, some of these new ones at least, can handle full sun all day. Now, it does come with a, a bit of maintenance if they're in the full sun because like the name suggests, hydrangea, the hydra meaning water, uh, they wilt quite quickly as soon as we go through a dry spell. And I'm having to uh, water plenty of hydrangeas at the nursery, but also at my own garden uh, a couple of times a week. Uh, If they're in a pot, it's every day. We haven't had much rain, and they do tell you when they are thirsty because they will wilt. Now, many hydrangeas will wilt during the day in the hot sun, in the full face of the sun. But by the time you get to late evening, maybe around dusk when the sun is going down, if your hydrangea perks up, then it was just responding to that sun. But if in the evening, uh, dusk time, the hydrangea plant is still wilting, then it is probably time to water uh, because naturally many plants and hydrangeas are a, a a big group of these plants that just wilt in the sun. That is called flagging, which means that they are trying to reserve moisture and water in the face of the sun. Uh, But again, if by the end of the day they've not perked back up, then the soil is probably dry. If you wake up in the morning and you see that your hydrangeas are wilty, it is definitely time to water because overnight plants have the opportunity to pull moisture out of the ground and recharge, reinvigorate, uh, add moisture back into their leaves, and they should be perky in the morning. But if there's no moisture in the soil, then by morning time, they will still look wilty. So that is one of the only things maybe by growing hydrangeas here in the south in full sun is that uh, they do get a, uh, a little dry sometimes particularly when we're all dry. So again, um, if you've got hydrangeas in the shade, in the sun, they make a great accent to any area. Of course, hydrangeas are known to be a summer bloomer. Whether you are uh, growing any of the big four types, they usually start late spring and then carry us into later part of summer, pushing into fall. Uh, usually the first two to start blooming are going to be the oak leaf hydrangea and the big leaf, the blue and pink hydrangeas. Then to follow that uh, through Uh, about right now, is the smooth hydrangea, so it kicks in into early summer. And then, of course, panicle hydrangea. It seems like it takes it forever to bloom, but as soon as we get to the peak of summer, they are starting to show off. I've already started to see many buds setting and flowers beginning uh, on the panicled hydrangeas right now. Now, hydrangeas generally are large plants, so if you don't have space for large plants, be sure to look out for varieties, particularly more modern varieties, that have been bred for a bit of compactness. As a matter of fact, I think I mentioned a few weeks ago, but there is a new endless summer hydrangea called Pop Star, and they're touting this one because it reblooms very well and quite heavily and quickly. You deadhead it and in four weeks you've got a new bloom. So that's a wonderful thing, particularly for people who may have cold winters that their stems freeze and die back because 
they set their buds, these blue and pink hydrangeas, they set their buds for this year, last year. They're already, when we're going into spring, their flowering buds are already there. So if anything like poor winter weather, cold winter weather compromises those buds, you may not have flowers. But with the reblooming hydrangeas, you can surely have new flowers. So Pop Star is only about 24, it's supposed to be, only about 24 inches tall, maybe three feet wide. And so it is quite a low growing hydrangea that you could almost stick anywhere between some evergreens or right on the front of your bed or right near the the uh, end of a patio or end of a walkway slash staircase or steps. Uh, this is a small little creature, but historically, all hydrangeas are quite large. Uh, it would be very rare to find the old-fashioned hydrangeas that don't get at least five, six, maybe ten feet wide. And of course, some of them, like the panicled hydrangeas, can climb 14 feet into the air. So before you plant hydrangeas in your landscape, be sure you do a little research and try to find out uh, what size will best benefit your space. So Clocking in at number three of our Georgia favorite flowers of Georgia, that's the hydrangea. Now, number four is not too surprising, and I've already mentioned it to you with 1,300 searches per, per year in this state, the rose. The rose is quite a beloved plant. Now, I have, if you've been listening to our program before, I, anytime I talk about roses, I always say that it's America's favorite flower. And definitely, uh, probably looking back at some horticultural history, uh, roses were a, a big thing after World War II and pushing into the 60s. And people had rose gardens. And maybe uh, you grew up, I, of course, I didn't grow up then. Maybe you did. And maybe your parents or grandparents were chock full of roses. Well, roses are a great plant. They don't mind the heat. Uh, they don't mind being a little dry. They will wilt and need moisture um, if we go through a drought. They're not completely drought tolerant, but they actually can handle being in a rough soil. The more fertile it is, well-drained soil, then the rose will perform well and set many blooms. Now, roses can handle part shade and you will have some blooming, but roses to get that full impact and and try to produce as much energy as possible to create as many blossoms as possible, roses will prefer full sun. Now, there are a number of roses, all right? There are, there are probably more than 300 naturally occurring roses, and then, of course, thousands, tens of thousands, if not hundreds, <laughs> of cultivated varieties of roses. Now, roses have... Uh, transformed in our garden. It's been one of the most bred plants, and again, probably the plant with the most cultivars and varieties available. There are, of course, different forms of rose plants. Uh, speaking of rose forms, there are, of course, ground cover carpet roses that stay low but sort of crawl. And, of course, many of these types can also climb, and they may ramble. They may jump up and send long canes into trees and start climbing over edges of buildings or walls and they have a place in the garden too because they give you kind of some some vertical interest but then of course there are the shrub type roses which probably we're most familiar with and using most today uh, let's see a few decades ago a rose came out that revolutionized roses 
you probably know what I'm talking about. That's the knockout rose. Now, the knockout rose was touted for one reason in particular. It was a great landscape plant. It bloomed heavily, uh, and it had great disease resistance. It came with disease resistance. And this is one thing that we in the South have to struggle with. If we did not have kind of the humidity that we do, we wouldn't have to worry about having plants with disease resistance because, of course, heat and humidity, moisture encourages bacteria to grow and flourish on plants' leaves. And, of course, fungus and whatnot can also become a problem in our climate. So it is kind of critical for us to find roses and grow roses that are disease-resistant. Now, I think, being in the nursery industry, that knockout roses have fallen out of favor a bit. Uh, the one thing that we love about roses is fragrance. But, of course, the knockout rose had the disease resistance. It was great in the landscape, but there's essentially no fragrance. Well, since knockouts came out, there are new roses that are coming out with both disease resistance and fragrance. And I'll tell you about some of my favorites after this break. So hang on tight, and we'll be right back talking about the top five favorite plants of Georgia based on searches per year on the Internet. Well, hang on tight. We'll be right back. Hey gang, it's Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the New Southern Garden Podcast. Of course, I love providing you with horticultural information to get you growing and growing well. But sometimes you need more than just information. You need plants. So I'd love for you to join me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. But you can find more than just me, of course. (laughs) At Lanier Nursery and Gardens, you can browse through our wide selection of ornamental trees, glorious shrubs, and colorful perennials and annuals. And I want to thank all our listeners who have already made the trek to Lanier Nursery. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your gardening stories. We've got a wonderful crew of folks who are just itching to help you grow your best garden ever. So check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now let's get growing together. Well, gang, today on New Southern Garden, we are talking about Georgia's top five favorite plants. That's uh, what this article, we appreciate our, our manager, station manager here, Mr. Dean Dyer, sent us this information because it's quite interesting and it's quite revealing about what kind of plants our state enjoys. And it's very interesting because um, in addition to giving us information about Georgia's most searched for plants, we also have a list of every state in the nation's most searched for plants and folks it it almost other than like florida which um has bougainvillea and a couple of states have tulip and dahlia um pretty much the entire nation is searching for lavender sunflower hydrangea roses and peonies more than any other flower it's really interesting and i would say for good reason all of those are great plants. Um, But of course, we're talking about growing them around the nation and some will perform better in certain parts of the U.S. and others will perform better in other parts. And luckily, uh, even though lavender being Georgia's number one search for flower does not necessarily uh, grow best here, we can grow it. We just have to be a little cautious. Sunflower, not a problem for our state. That's number two. Number three, of course, is hydrangea and 
you probably have hydrangeas in your landscape. I have them in mine. We sell them at the nursery. They're everywhere in the South. Wonderful. Number four is rose. And roses have been historically a great plant for the Southeast. But we were talking before the break about roses and how they can get some disease uh, problems, particularly because we have uh, very warm and also humid conditions. So with that being said, that when the knockout rose came out, it was a wonderful plant for the South because it didn't need spraying. It didn't need uh, treatments for diseases. It had naturally occurring disease resistance. Now, it may get a few spots and speckles here, but generally it was a great breeding program that introduced us to roses that didn't have a lot of fuss. But the one thing it lacked... The knockout rose didn't really have fragrance. And since then, there are uh, some roses being introduced. There's a series called Brenda Bella Roses. Brenda Bella Roses, they come in a different variety of colors, reds, uh, sort of pale, pinky, touched with yellows. Uh, Let's see, purple. There's one called Purple Prince. Now, these Brenda Bellas are hybrid tea roses with good disease resistance. But because they're hybrid tea, they have a great fragrance. So I do love what's going on with the world of roses today. It is introducing the South to a plant that is going to have good defenses against our humid, potentially disease-ridden summers. (laughs) But it also, when they bloom, you will have that great fragrance. Some other plants that you may want to look for in the rose group that do have good disease resistance, and also, of course, have a great fragrance is going to be Brenda, um, not Brenda Bella, uh, Belinda's Dream. Brenda Bella is a whole series of roses, but Belinda's Dream has been around for a while and it shows to be a great contender in our landscapes. Actually, a rose that was named after Julia Child. That is a good yellow rose that is a hybrid tea with great Uh, disease resistance, seems to perform well, uh, but it also has that wonderful fragrance. So give your roses well-drained, but not not too wet soil. They will have some root rot problems. Fertilize them regularly because they need it in order to produce as many flowers as possible. Now, number five, the the fifth favorite flower, apparently based on internet searches, uh, it received 1,230 30 searches per year in our state in Georgia is peony. Now, uh, like I've already mentioned earlier today, every year I try to talk about peonies in the springtime to remind you, maybe talk about some different varieties of peonies that we can use in the South. Peonies are like lavender. They've been quite trendy on the internet and on social medias and Instagram and all those things because they are such a beautiful flower. Now, you might be reminded, because I am reminded, uh, of a peony flower as like a rose flower. Very big, uh, round, chocked full of petals. And of course, many peonies are quite fragrant. But they're not necessarily related to roses. They're actually more related to buttercups and ranunculus because they are in the ranunculus family. Uh, so with that in mind, they, their treatment is maybe a little different than, than roses. Uh, but the very first thing when we're choosing peonies in Georgia is we, or the Southeast in general, is we need to be selecting varieties that are very early bloomers. Now within that early blooming period, you can have some varieties that bloom early, early, some varieties that bloom mid early, and some varieties that bloom late early. Because the peonies um, yearly cycle in the south 
is to come up very early in the spring. Sometimes it's near late winter, at which point if we have a late frost or freeze, we would need to try to cover uh, and protect any flower buds because the bud is quite susceptible to cold. The plant itself can handle the cold, but the flower bud, if it gets zapped back because of a late freeze or frost, which we are prone to have, then you can say bye-bye to your peony crop for that year as far as flowers go. But the peony selection is the first step in doing uh, planting peonies in the south. Then we need to realize that peonies don't love wet soil, and our clay soil can be quite wet. We would never want to plant a peony in a low spot that collects water. We'd always want it to be above the ground, planted on a mound or raised a bit. And incorporating organic matter around your peony root is a wonderful thing to do. It will help to soften the soil, lighten it up, uh, and also encourage that soil to drain well. Remember, peonies are very uh, bulbous plants. They have a tuber below the ground. And if that tuber is surrounded by moisture for an extended period of time, Uh, in a poor draining soil, then that tuber will likely rot and that will just kill the plant back completely. So it is ideal to put it in a soil that is well amended with organic matter, compost, soil conditioner, something like that. And in addition, some people think that peonies need some shade, but that is not true. Peonies do like the sun. Um, They will produce better, grow faster if they're receiving full sun. But All along this life cycle, as we're trailing, after the uh, flowers have bloomed out, then the plant starts to decline, and you'll think it's dying. We're already seeing peonies starting to turn a little yellow, getting some spots, maybe turning crispy right now. And that is sort of natural for the, for the South uh, because they don't love the heat. They would actually prefer a cooler climate, but they will barrel through for you if you don't keep their roots too wet, if you put them in sun, and of course, accept the fact that they are going to disappear sometime during summer. Now, they're not dying when they start going dormant. They are just going to sleep. They're dropping their leaves, storing that nutrition down in their root system. So then in the spring next year, they'll be able to come back and they will come back as long as they don't rot below the ground. They will come back with vigor and they will have even more stems than they had the previous year. And with more stems come more blooms because generally peonies bloom at the tip of each individual stem. Some of them will send out one or two side shoots with smaller flowers, but regardless, it is a one stem, one bloom. So the more stems you have on your peonies, the better off you are. Well, gang, today on New Southern Garden, we had talked about the five favorite flowers of Georgia. Of course, the list here is lavender is number one, sunflower number two, Hydrangea number three, roses number four, and peony number five. Check us out online at NewSouthernGarden.com for more information. And of course, you can let us know on Facebook and Instagram which one might be your favorite. Well, for WRWH 93.9 FM, my name is Nathan Wilson. I hope Give it a go. you stay well and grow well. See you next week. Hey, thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com. Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com. 
Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's News Southern Garden Show.